It is Winter Meetings Week on FT Lab, and we're doing our meetings virtually because it's 2023. Let's run it. Braun, Kipnis, and Kratz on a Monday on Stadium. So, Kip, sometimes I think Kratz and Przinsky and me are like doing this every day, so we're too close to it. I read a lot of people saying, what a terrible offseason. Nothing has happened. It's so boring. We feel like it's been really busy and the manager stuff with council and a billion other manager openings. There's been a few signings, a ton of speculation. From your perspective, is this offseason going okay for you or do you feel super bored? I feel like it hasn't started yet. Or it might have just started yesterday a little bit with the, the Mariners trade. But I think if you're... When you look for good off seasons, you look for big names to be on the market. And I think we got that this year, don't we? We got some I mean, of the biggest names in the game. Also, Shohei Otani is a free agent. He's still a free agent, right? You have We're gonna the, the biggest name. You have uh, Cy Young winners. You have Soto. You have all these names being thrown around. It just hasn't happened yet. So it, it, it's going. But once it happens, then it happens, Kratz. So the speculation's good and fun, especially if you can say whatever the hell you want. Like if you want to rip the Mariners trade, which I'm sure we'll do coming up with Ryan Divish. But you know what I'm saying, Kratz? Like the the anticipation, the speculation is often better than when the news actually happens. Because then it happens, and then there's a press conference, and then we move on from speculating. That's it. And then we just have to get the comment of why you didn't go all in for Shohei. Why you didn't go all in for Soto. Like we have two, to me, two of the top, I'm going to say seven players in the game possibly available. I, I mean, not possibly. They're both available. Shohei's available. Soto's available. There's yep. not, it's not like speculative, like, well, they might trade Dylan Cease. They might trade Corbin Burns. Not sure. They have to trade Soto because of the money. To me, it's been exciting. But again, we're here. We're here a lot, and I just think once it happens, like some people were saying, ah, maybe, maybe Shohei gets it done near the winter meetings, or the next week. I'm like, I'd love it if he gave us like a December twentieth gift kind of thing, like a maybe, maybe like a solid Tuesday, somewhere in there. Well, I, I texted him. He got right back to me. He said Friday. He's making his decision. This Friday is that we should have a little. We should have a little office pool. A little calendar, buy your day and see what day he signs. I actually do think that given his um, love of avoiding attention and the press, that he is going to pick like a, a Friday night PR burial. That's what MLB used to do when I was there. Like you announce like a suspension Friday, five o'clock, baby. Hit that what? weekend. Nobody has their talk shows over the weekend. The whole deal. Friday night sounds like a great time. One o'clock on a Sunday, he's gonna he's gonna be like, ah, the NFL. Mm. They take up a lot of time. I'll announce it at twelve fifty eight on a Sunday. There's a lot of people though conversing, watching sports during that time, drinking. You know what I'm saying? So, so maybe it'll get too much. My my suggestion, I'll text him back, is to stick with the Friday plan. Okay, let the weekend kind of simmer down, and then the talk shows resume on Monday. So um, before we charge the mound, one other thing, because I'm going to mention this a little more frequently during this week. Uh, if you're listening to us on the pod, then check us out on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button, obviously always free, and the like button to the show that you're watching. We appreciate you. And then vice versa, if you're watching us, you can also take us on the go, podcast, uh, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your pods, the whole deal. Let's charge the damn mound, because we do have a trade, like Kip mentioned, and it occurred basically when everyone was arriving, the front office people in Nashville, and Alex Anthopoulos, who definitely likes to get his work done early in the offseason, is at it again. They needed a left fielder. They spoke about how Vaughn Grissom's going to be a part of that mix. So is Jared Kelnick. So Ken Rosenthal was first to break the news, and then Ryan Divish actually provided the rest of the names. But Ken said last night at 1044 that the Braves picked up Jared Kelnick from the Mariners, and then the rest of the deal is as followed. As follows, Marco Gonzalez also moves to the Atlanta Braves. Evan White goes to Atlanta, whose name has popped up more in the last week than it had in like the last two years, just because he signed one of those early contracts, which is what we saw from Jackson Churio recently. Um, and then going the other way, Jackson Coar, who was just acquired by the Braves in the Kansas City deal for Kyle Wright, and also um, Cole Phillips, who hasn't pitched in the pros yet. Some say would have been a first-round pick. 
ended up being a second round pick, big fastball, but Tommy John surgery. So he's still coming back. Mariners gave a little bit of money. We don't know what the amount is. Probably not much since they are super, super, super poor and lost all their money from this past season. They put it all in a piggy bank. They have no idea where it is. We'll talk to Ryan Divish about that part coming up on the Seattle side. Let's talk Atlanta for a sec, Kip. Basically, the Braves said we'd like some left field help and a starting pitcher. And here they go again, getting aggressive for a dude that's still only 24 years old. Anthropolis likes to work, like you said, early in the offseason. He likes to work early in guys' careers to give extensions. He likes just getting his stuff done early. And I think this is going to work out so well for the Braves with Kalenic. I think you, instead of being kind of the middle focus of a lineup, he gets to go to an Atlanta lineup where the pressure's not on him. The pressures, he's going to be probably down in the six hole, seven hole. Uh, he's not required to be that big bat in the middle a little bit. I think he's going to be able to be comfortable. I think he's going to be around some great hitters that are going to uh, take the pressure off of him. And I think that's just going to allow him to become the better version of himself. And you saw glimpses of it last year when he's hot. He's he's an impact bat. And so, I mean, just the Braves are doing it again. Yeah, and also, Kratz, I'll mention that Marco Gonzalez is not going to stick around with the Mariners, or excuse me, with the Braves for long. Uh, Ken has already said today that he's going to be part of another deal. So he's going to be on his way out somewhere else. And if you look at Atlanta, they're looking more for a top-end starting pitcher um, to bring to the mix for them. They've already gotten rid of quite a bit of depth, including guys like Soroka and uh, Schuster in the trades with the uh, Chicago White Sox. So there you go. There's the tweet right next to us. Braves do not plan on keeping Marco. Kyle writes with Kansas City. Yeah, and probably not going to pitch this coming season anyway, but still under team control through 2026. So the Braves did some reshuffling, and now, yeah, a guy like Kelnick. What do you think, Kratz? Did the uh, New York Mets finally say that they can win the uh, Edwin Diaz? Robinson Cano trade from years back when Brody Van Wagner got smashed by some people, but actually they got a top tier closer for years. I think they finally can say they want it. I mean, this is, this is, this is just the Braves. It's funny how like things shift to like the narrative, but like, I feel like we, we create these narratives for teams, Rays, pitching, you know, Yankees, not sure what they're going to do in the offseason, but, you know, they're a playoff team. The Red Sox, up and down narrative. The Braves, you sit here and you go, oh, man, Kelnick's like, this could be a huge breakout guy. Just like what Kip said, he's going to come in and give them, give them an opportunity to platoon a guy. Anytime you have a guy that really is red hot for one month and then – struggles after that which I would say that struggles afterwards like yes he broke his foot later on in play through a broken foot he broke his foot kicking a cooler Kip will tell you everybody struggles at some point in the season you need to have the whole season to be able to turn it around you need to make the adjustment back he was on an all-star pace in that first month month and a half when he was absolutely raking and he was talking about his swing change and everything well, with a swing change, now people see new holes that they can exploit up in the zone, down and away, breaking balls, whatever it is. But you look at the Braves and you say, man, this narrative is just, oh, great. Another guy that they got. I don't think anybody's sitting there like, wow, that was really nice of them for picking up all that money. They're like, eh, roll the dice. See what happens. We're going to go ahead and pick this guy up. And we know what locked him in in the first month and a half. We're going to put him in situations to succeed because we don't just play one straight left fielder. But you know what? If he does pump some lefties too, then we can keep him out there. And, oh, by the way, he's 24 years old. So our our organization actually got younger adding this guy. Yeah, this is a player who's not a free agent until after the 2028 season. I, I could definitely tell you about having a hot month and then struggling in some other months. Um, that, yeah, go look at the back of my baseball card if they want to break it down by months. That's uh, kind of what happened in my career. But I think going to a team like the Braves, what hides it and what helped me too is when you're on a winning team, that hides some of your offers. You don't you don't go home and you're not distraught over it. You're not hanging your head when you still beat a team, boat raced them 11 to 4, uh, which the Braves will do. So he gets to have a better kind of uh, – 
more optimistic time showing up to the field every day. He's not hanging his head on every offer that happens throughout a game and he's gets to play part of that lineup. So I think this really is a perfect spot for him to kind of take off. Yeah. And for Kalanick, I mean, if he somehow struggles in the beginning of the year with this ball club, Alex Anthopoulos, I heard on an interview yesterday, said they're super high on Vaughn Grissom. I still think there's a chance he's saying that because Vaughn could be some of their best trade bait too. But he dropped two comps for Vaughn yesterday because he's like, hey, of course. But he went he went all in, ready? So he said, this hitter is like DJ LeMayhew, Howie Kendrick status. 1,000 OPS guy in AAA. He said it. I heard the interview, okay? About Vaughn Grissom. About Vaughn Grissom. Okay. Yeah. So he's like, dude, we're done with Vaughn in the minors. He needs to be up in the show. Obviously, he hasn't really had a spot for Atlanta. That's what happens, too, sometimes. You play for a team like Atlanta, especially, more than any other ball club right now. They have dudes locked in for a long time, and they play every day. So if you're trying to emerge as a ball player, and especially if you struggle for a pinch, they just won't deal with that. So it might be that he ends up with another ball club. I'm not sure yet what the approach is. Also, you do need depth. And he can play in the infield, and he's learning outfields more so in the offseason right now, too. I think he's playing in Puerto Rico winter ball right now. So something to keep an eye on with Atlanta. They know what they're doing, obviously. One more thing. I just want to show this tweet from uh, Jake Mastriani. I think I got it right here. Fangraph's roster resource has the Braves' luxury tax payroll at $260 million. Assuming they don't want to go more than $40 million over the luxury tax number, which is like a salary cap basically in baseball. That leaves about $17 million for Atlanta. It really limits them to trade possibilities. Cease would still very much work. Of course, who knows what Alex Anthopoulos has planned. I I just, I hate that we talk about this like it's a cap. Also, if teams go over a certain mark, Kip, like you pay a tax, it's not a crazy tax. We'll get to the Angels later. Like they do end up getting a, a draft pick out of losing Shohei, and that helps. But if they actually went over, like, say, the Angels by a million bucks, you pay like 20%. So it's like, ooh, they ended up having to pay 200 grand, which in baseball is like a quarter. Oh, they don't want to go over. They will. They will if the right player comes to them. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, any team who's no team wants to go over, but find me a team, especially in the situation that the Braves are in a, with their window, they're going to go over or they're going to be susceptible to go over they're going to be okay with going over if player a comes into their lap and then will accept it it's all it's not it's not a cap as much as yeah i'm with you on that one yeah so i would just keep that in mind like i don't i don't want people to read something like that kratz and think oh well atlanta can't play for i don't know a jordan montgomery because clearly they were in on nola and and anthopolis kind of indicated that too that they were they were in on him. There were some reports that they were in on Sonny Gray. It seemed like they kind of shot that down, but they were in on a big, big starting pitcher. And the one who got big money so far this offseason is Nola. So if they were in on Nola, I got to assume that they're still playing at the top of the market for a starter if the right fit is there. Plus, not to mention, JP Morosi said that the Braves are still talking to Shohei Otani's camp, <laughs> which is a whole nother ball game because that's $50 million probably per season. So I wouldn't worry too much about the Braves finances. Agreed. I want to sign him on a one-year deal so he could prove his worth. One year, $200 million. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, one year, 80, I think would do it. One do year, you? 80. That's actually a great question. How much money, if you're in Shohei's camp, how much money does it take on a one-year deal for you to take the deal versus what you'd get over, let's say, let's say 10 years, 550 is what's going to happen. What would convince you to do one year, knowing that you might be able to, obviously you're betting on yourself, but prove that by the next year you're healthy, maybe you're throwing a little bit, teams can see that, and you can sign as a, a true two-way player, again, as opposed to one that's supposed to come back. What's the number? They're still going to worry. I mean, I say 80. They're still going to worry about the second Tommy John. Are you going to be able to pitch during the entire life of the contract? I don't think his values. I don't think his value is any different, but I'm going to say I'm gonna say 81 and a half is the over under set at where's that one and a half come from i don't know it just sounded cooler <laughs> he's an over under guy so it's gotta be high because you're yeah you're if you're going off just bat alone which is what it will be this next year uh you're coming off one of his best offensive seasons there is 
So you're already trying to sell high on that season. So you're basically having to do it all over again. Um, yeah, you're up near Kratz's number, I think. Okay. So let's hit a poll. What's up? It's a fun hypothetical. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what what that one year? No, obviously he's going to sign for ten plus. Uh, the question um, at watchstadium.com slash foul territory is about the Blue Jays, which we'll get to later, as Ken wrote about them as well. They're going after Otani and Soto. Not going to get both, but pursuing both. Do you think, A, they get Otani, B, they get Soto, or C, they miss both? Watchstadium.com slash foul territory. The Mariners portion of this trade with Ryan Divish next. The Mariners are broke. Now our friend Ryan Divish joining us during an important time in the baseball world, writer for the Seattle Times. You can follow him at Ryan Divish. Ryan, great to see you. So I'm going to start out hot, okay? So my question is, it's a two-parter. Number one, are the Seattle Mariners broke? Number two, if you ran a poll right now on your Twitter and said, who do you want as your GM starting today, Jerry Depoto or Cal Raleigh, how much would the vote be tilted to Cal? Okay. Um, <laughs> first of all, they are not broke. They, they cannot be broke. That's absurd. Anything that they say is broke. Um, obviously, it, what the poll would be, I could insert the joke that everybody's used on Twitter. It, it would be more than 54% would want Cal to be the <laughs> than Jerry. Um, it's amazing that that number, it, it's just not going away. That, that 54% thing, like it just has stuck. And, you know, like I wrote one day, I go the first or the next good joke I hear about 54% will be the first good one, but it has not gone away. It's just going to follow Jerry until they do something different. And what was crazy is if he, I think Codify put out the statistics over the 2000s or whatever, the Mariners won like 54% of their games. So it was just, it was kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, no, the first question, they're not broke. I think they're concerned financially um, for certain reasons, dealing with their, their RSN, but they're not broke. I, no, you know what? No major league owner is broke. I, you know, I mean, if, if they want to see broke, I, I can show them my bank statements and I can show you broke. <laughs> They, they need a barometer, is what you're saying. They need, yeah, yeah. They need you, you, you need to trade Jared Kelnick and Marco Gonzalez and Evan White. They yeah. don't need I mean, to trade like, them for nothing. Well, it's like it's like it reminds me of like the broke scale of if you have money or not. It's like the crazy hot scale. Well, if you're really how much money do you have versus how much money do other people have, that kind of thing. But they're not broke. I mean, they had 2.8 million fans this year. Uh, two, that is the most fans they've had since 2005. I mean, the last, I think, 10 games or 15 games at T-Mobile Park were all over 30,000 people. And, you know, they had the All-Star game, which, you know, they don't get all the revenues for. But, like, they bought a building across the street from T-Mobile Park. It used to be the old Pyramid Brewing. They turned it into their own, like, bar and brewery and everything like that. That place is packed. And that money is not revenue shared with, with other teams. You know, they, they own that. Like, they, like the, this is a team that knows how to make money. I mean, back in the day with Kevin Mather, uh, you know, before he went all crazy on Zoom, they made money when they didn't put out a very good product and they weren't winning. They still made money. They were still not they were still financially viable. Well, now they put out a pretty good product the last couple of years and they brought fans in. You know, they're you know, you've got a superstar where all their their revenues are up in jersey sales and all this other stuff. They're not poor, but they're they're concerned about their, their network right now, I think, is at least the kind of the rumblings I'm hearing. What's the end game here? Is, is the end game because Jerry DePoto is going to get on the stand at some point and be like, you know what? You know, we're really pushing. We're shifting pieces around. Do you believe he, as a GM, because I'm not going to touch the ownership and like directives for money right now. Do you feel like he is a GM with these moves and what could happen and what he said wants to win a World Series? Yeah, I think he wants to win one. I just don't know that he has everything in front of him to do it, whether it's the payroll or, you know, obviously it's the payroll. It's like, so when he got hired in 15, um, they had this team, you know, that had Felix and, and Nelson Cruz, Robinson Cano, Kyle Seeger, Hasashi Okuma. I think those guys in like guaranteed dollars was like over a quarter of a billion, like 250 million with all those guys added up. And so he gets there and their payroll is pretty high. It's in the one seventies or whatever. And they said, look, we want you to, you know, here's this team and it's old. We want you to try and win with it, but we don't want you to spend any money. 
So like they go out and what he does is you do a bunch of lateral moves, trying to like free up money, trying to make your team more athletic. I think that you're, you know, they go out and get Leonis Martin and all these kind of fringy moves of a team that doesn't have a ton of flexibility and, and they try to win. It didn't work, you know, and then like even in the years ahead, I think it was 16 or maybe it was 18, they have a pretty decent team. They're in it. They're trying to hold off the A's. I think it was the one year and they get to the deadline and ownership says, well, like, look, you, we want you to make this team better and try and push to end this drought. Well, we don't want you to add payroll. And that was the year, I think, one of the years where they added like Zach Duke and Adam Warren and Cameron Maven. Well, that, I mean, like those are kind of just like maybe you're, you know, like a half win better. You know what I mean? Like, does it really make you that much better? Marginally, it makes you better. So like what he's having to do now is try to make this team better, but operate in the margins of payroll or create fl payroll flexibility, um, which God, you know, like nobody wants to hear that. No fans want to hear the words payroll flexibility. Um, but that's where he's at. I, I think he wants to win. I don't know. And I think, honestly, the Mariners' ownership wants to win. Like, but we've said before, they just they don't like to take the risk factor in in doing what it takes to win. Well, you kind of just said it. They they take a lot of lateral moves, but they're creating this payroll flexibility uh, with the trade. They got just they dumped a little bit with Clinic. They're going to have to pay him eventually or something like that. So they save some money. What moves do you see are going to be on the horizon for them? Then are they actually in play for some of the bigger names, or what names are you kind of? going to be hinting at to see them go for here yeah i mean like so they with the suarez trade they saved about i think seven million maybe and then with this trade uh evan white was owed about 17 million if you count the buyout over the next couple of years and barco was owed 13 They're, they sent 4.5 million to the braves or they will send 4.5 million so i think they they saved they shaved about 24 24 and a half million off their payroll for the next two seasons i mean it's not insignificant but again like they can afford it too. Um, yeah, they need a, they need an outfielder. They need a they would prefer a right-handed hitting outfielder or right-handed hitting bat. I mean, like obviously, you know, they've been linked to the Rays because they Depoto's made like a hundred trades with them. You know, like Isaac Paredes and 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 Randy Rosarena. They fit. I mean, Rosarena is going to get real expensive here in the next two years. But like they need a, they would prefer to have a right-handed hitting outfielder uh to kind of fill that role right now you're looking at it's julio and dominic canzone and i don't know who else you know to play the outfield you know kelnick was going to have one of those spots i mean like right now they have luis urias as their everyday third baseman so they need multiple bats you know this is the division it's got the astros and the rangers in it. if the rangers did nothing this season this offseason to add they're still significantly better than the mariners right now so, like, they got to do something. Like, is it going to be trading Bryce Miller, Brian Wu? Yeah, maybe. But then they just also gave up one of their depth arms in Marco Gonzalez. So, I think, like, yeah, they're going to be looking at hard at the outfield. But I don't, you know, I don't think they're going to be in on Bellinger or Otani. And I don't think they have the stomach to do a, a Juan Soto trade. I mean, give up prospects plus $30 million? That doesn't seem like them either. Which is crazy to think about this because their payroll is not off the charts. It's not touching what it used to be all of those years back, right? Where the game's mm -hmm. revenues have continued to go up, their attendance is better. Theoretically, they should be making more money at this point. So we're scratching off Otani. You're right, we're scratching off Soto most likely because he's gonna make 30 something million dollars in his final season. So that's why you're down to a team like the Rays and two names that are brought up in Randy Rosarena and Isak Paredes, who are good names that would definitely help fill two gaps that they currently have in their lineup. I want to read you this um, little note from our friend Ken Rosenthal, who just wrote about the aftermath of the trade. And just let me know if this makes your blood boil um, covering this ball club. Earlier this offseason, the M's inquired, acquired about uh, Rosarena and Paredes, according to sources briefed on the discussions. At the time, they were not positioned to advance those conversations citing financial restraints. Perhaps those talks can accelerate. Now, I want to point out, Rosarena is due to make $9 million next year, and Paredes is due to make $3 million next year. Is this where we're at with Seattle, where we're nickel and diming and putting them in like the 20th range for payroll as a small market ball club now? Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy to think that way. Um, I mentioned it. So what, like they're, they're internally, if I people tell me is they're very uh, they're very kind of hesitant about 
their their regional sports network, Root Sports Northwest, they own the majority share, which you would think would make them a little bit more bulletproof compared to like what's happening with Bally Sports. But what happened was is Comcast Xfinity, the the largest provider in the in the Pacific Northwest, they took they're taking Root Sports off the basic tier the basic package where anybody could get it and they're putting it on their ultimate sports tier or whatever and so a fan that wants to have root sports is going to have to pay i think it's like 1850 a month to keep it and you know that's there are a lot of fans are just okay that's it and i think the mariners invested in some some tv deals with the seattle kraken and the trailblazers based on the idea that they were going to be on the basic cable package so you're, you're paying this money to, to to broadcast these games thinking you're going to get the revenues that you don't have to revenue share from non-major league baseball related sports but if you lose 25 percent of your subscribers because of this this jump up i mean that that does hit you pretty hard financially but it, yeah it's still crazy to think that like oh yeah they're, they got to start penny pinching especially when their projected budget was never going to their projected payroll is at like 140 I mean, the, the league average is like 165. Now they're way down. And they're, they're, they're very, you know, like they're very aware. Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, and Cal Raleigh are going to get real expensive in arbitration over the next few years. I mean, honestly, if they're where they're at right now on the payroll, I don't, I don't expect to see, but maybe one of those guys stick around. You know, Logan will be, you know, Logan's got high value. Cal's going to have high value. Probably neither of those guys are going to resign anyway. So, you know, two years from now, you could see both those guys getting moved, you know, um, in trades because you know, Logan Logan will be tracking. He'll have four years of arbitration eligibility by that last year. If he hasn't signed an extension, it could be $17 million a year. You know, it's like on that. He could be on, you know, while he wasn't isn't as dominant, he makes every start in the way arbitration works. He could be on that similar Walker Bueller path or Framber Valdez where they get real expensive in that third and fourth year of arbitration. I'm just wondering what this tells your fan base, though, as a Mariners organization. The last however many years, you've, you've, you're in the middle of a playoff run, you trade your closers, or you, you finally make it back to the playoffs and you start cutting costs here. It's like you, every time you guys get close and you've been searching for the playoffs, you get there, you get close and all this stuff, and it's like two steps forward, one step back. It's like you're never really going for it. So if it just you're telling a fan base you're never going for it pretty much or you're never going to yeah. afford to get that big splash. The words always are going to be hollow. I mean, like, yeah. yeah, they ended the playoff drought last year, but where do they go from there? You know, like, yeah, it's great. You ended the playoff drought. You have this window. Like, look, I mean, like, they have a starting rotation that features Luis Castillo, George Kirby, Logan Gilbert. You have two young kids, Bryce Miller and Brian Wu, that were really good. You have Robbie Ray coming back. I mean, that's as good of a rotation as you're going to have in baseball. And it's a selling point. But, like, what are they going to do with it? The window, you know, the window of a pitcher's health all at the same time is pretty finite anyways. So it's like, where are you going to go? You got this close. You asked fans to believe in a rebuild that they started in 2019. And they, they always promise like once they, they, they tore it down and they're going to build it back up, they're going to go for it. Well, you know, like this is the time. And it's kind of crazy too. A lot of the pieces of that rebuild are gone. You know, Jerry Kelnick gone now Kyle Lewis gone like all the pieces that the foundational pieces that they were going to build around it's basically Julio JP and Cal and that's it I mean that's that's their core like if you we got we were playing this game the other night if you look around at the teams in the AL West or whatever especially the good teams or the good playoff teams in baseball how many of their guys you would start for other teams you know Julio obviously Cal probably for most of them JP for teams that don't have Corey Seager, but the rest of their team is all kind of like, you know, replacement level guys and they need them, you know, and they remove guys that, that have been above replacement level and where do they go? Because their upper levels of their franchise aren't very good either. Yeah. It's crazy, dude. That's what we've been talking about. There's three players out of nine in a lineup that are first division players on a, you know, team that should be in the postseason. That's a problem. And especially when the team's acting broke right now. And I also want to point out that even your mindset has to change as a writer covering this team. You're telling me Logan Gilbert could get expensive by the end of his uh, arbitration years from now at 17 million. That's basically what Kyle Gibson and Lance Lynn and some mm -hmm. of these guys, and even Luis Severino, that's like pretty close to what those guys just signed for in the off season. If you think about it, and Gilbert's like an, upper rotation guy and these are five starters on the free agent market just crazy to think about that so I want to finish with this on the pitching front for you just because we didn't get to the other side of it 
Um, thoughts on the return there and what you've heard? I mean, Coar has now bounced around a couple teams here in the last couple weeks. Used to be a big deal prospect. And Cole Phillips, nothing against him. He just had Tommy John surgery and has a big arm. So more arms for the Mariners. Yeah, like, I, I mean, I guess, like, know what you're good at. I mean, like, Coar, you know, they, they look at him. And, I mean, like, you look at some of his pitch profiles and stuff like that. And, like, if, if they turn him into, you know, if they keep him as a reliever and they, they turn him into Justin – Justin Topo or some of these guys that are really valuable and you get two or three years. I mean, like, I don't think he's going to be Andres Munoz. You know, that's kind of what they're hoping with the trade from the Diamondbacks is the kid they got from the Diamondbacks make, make him into the next Munoz. But they believe in their pitching stuff and they've been really good at it. I mean, they pick up pitchers and they make them into something. But yeah, and, and Cole Phillips is a lottery ticket at this point. Yeah, it's, it's great. He's a lot really talented, but he's 20, hasn't thrown a big league or hasn't thrown a professional pitch. So I guess, you know, play to your strengths. I mean, that's the one thing. Like, they can attract pitchers. You know, we've talked about them trying to get Blake Snell or whatever. They can get pitchers. And pitchers want to come to Seattle because they get better. It's just how do you do stuff to get better on the position player side? And we haven't seen it yet. And I just don't know that, like, there's not a free agent market that really gets them better. And they'll have to do a trade, you know, and, and – you know, that means you're giving up pieces as well. So I, I mean, I suspect they'll trade one of the young arms here in the, in the coming weeks for a player. And, and then, you know, they'll put piece together an offense that still won't be commensurate to what they need to be, to be good in the, in the future. Well, Ryan, we appreciate the time. We seem to be having an increasing number of Mariners fans following our show. So this was, <laughs> I think much needed therapy because I think it's the third time you've been on the show and the first two times we're, we're talking like, Hey, what could Otani look like here? And now we're like, can they afford a Rosarena and Paredes? Yeah, so. it's uh, yeah, it's like Mariners fans right now. It's like Lord of the Flies right now. People are just going insane, as they should, dude. As they should. So hopefully we have you back on for something positive. Um, enjoy the meetings. In the meantime, at least get some good food and some cocktails when you're done for the day. And we'll talk to you soon, dude. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have ever been to this place. It's the seventh circle mm -hmm. of hell. <laughs> this is not your this is not your area i i saw i saw where you're at and i'm like you need some mm -mm. trees behind you there's some oh this is it's there's just some trees out there you, find them yeah it's not where you want to be it looks like christmas threw up in here <laughs> <laughs> perfect description of why we're not there ryan cheers we'll talk Take to you soon there, dude thank nice. you What's up? We're back. And a quick reminder that the $1,500 first bet offer is on if you use the bonus code FOUL, F-O-U-L, and you're new to the party at BetMGM. Download the app on iOS, Android, or at BetMGM.com. You can sign up and deposit at least $10 into your new account. Place your first wager and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if the bet loses. And if the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, poll results? For fans thinking the Blue Jays will do something, missing both is winning at the moment between Otani and Soto. I do want to mix in a question related to Shohei. One of our regulars in the FT chat, Armin, said, can you ask Russ if the Mets miss out on Yamamoto and he signs before Otani, do the Mets go in on Otani? I think the Mets have been in on Otani my understanding is that there are a number of teams that are going to pay in the five to $600 million range. At that point, for Shohei, he gets to decide which ball club he wants to go to, right? And I think some of those reports that have been out there that have said no on Mets, and really we haven't seen much on Yanks, obviously, either, Kip, I think it has to do with him not wanting to play in New York. I think it makes a lot of sense, right? Like, if he's getting 550-ish, and he can be on the West Coast, which he's indicated last time that that was what he was into. Why is he going to come to the East Coast also knowing the New York media is going to not accept no for an answer to him never talking? And they'll make it a thing. They'll make it a distraction around the team. If you're his teammate and he chooses only to talk every week and a half or five minutes, you're going to get the brunt of that. Every five seconds, a reporter's going to come up to you. Hey, what show are you doing? Why isn't he talking, right? the main reason he'd go to the East coast would be because there's probably 600 million reasons to go to the East coast. <laughs> that's going to be what draws him there. I understand that he doesn't want to go to New York media. That's actually a big thing amongst players. A lot of people don't want to do that. Uh, but money talks, money talks more than Shohei talks right now, but he's going to, he, he deals with the media already. It's already like a bonanza everywhere he goes with uh, the media overseas and how many reporters follow him. Um, I think, 
whether he's kind of followed in line with uh, the kind of the trout stance, kind of he's quiet, he's soft-spoken, doesn't love the media side of that. Um, if that, that all goes to die though in New York, you can't, you can't run from that. You sneeze wrong. You're on the back page of the New York times. <laughs> That's why I'm like, Kratz, do you see him ending up in the Northeast? Yeah. 600 million reasons why I agree, but the San Francisco giants and LA Dodgers can offer him 600 million too. I think the giants will overpay to drive up the price for the Dodgers. If, if they don't succeed, they'll at least, they'll at least drive the price up. And the Dodgers are saying, well, we really want him because we know how to use him. I think it's a West Coast thing. I, I don't see – if we're getting to the East Coast, it would be Toronto. He would have that He would have that idea of owning the country. Not, not for him. I don't know that he necessarily wants that. The team could sell it. But it would give, it would give an opportunity for him to get that. They can pay. And he would be sheltered. It is very sheltered up there. Chris, would you agree with me that uh, like former players, a lot of guys have New York and Boston on their trade list? When you play with guys and you talk to them about it when contracts come up, there's a no trade clause, especially the bigger players. Uh, I think people would almost be surprised to find out how often you're going to have, and some fan bases and cities will be mad at me for saying this, where it's like, okay, sometimes Oakland's on there a lot, maybe a Detroit or weather or uh, a Cincinnati, especially if you're a pitcher, you don't want to play in these like ballparks where the ball flies out. And then you find out there's New York, especially the Yankees and Boston uh, are on a lot of players, no trade clauses because they just do not want to deal with the media there. If I think I'm fans would be surprised how often they are. Yeah. I mean, if I'm a teammate of somebody that doesn't want to go to New York just because the media is going to be tough on them, I think it might be tough in a lot of places, but I've seen it. I've, I've seen it and for different reasons, but those are the places that pay the money. And those are the places that when you do well there, because every player, no matter where you're at, you want to shelter yourself into the mindset of I'm going to do as well as I can, no matter where I am, that those places will pay you better. They'll pay you better up front and they'll pay you better after your contract if you do well in those cities. So I hear you, but I know like, I know the first contract that DJ LeMahieu signed, he had the exact same contract with the Rays, and he signed with the Yankees instead. It was like that two-year piece that he got before this recent like six-year, ninety million that he just got, and he chose he chose New York over Tampa. They're high-risk, yeah. high-reward cities. Yep, mm-hmm. very much yeah, so. And, well and, and DJ's DJ. and DJ's a quiet guy. DJ's not like a media darling, and he doesn't he doesn't enjoy the media at all. But he wanted to go there for for the success of winning. All right. Uh, so what we're going to do here is a little bit of an extended slap hands. We'll do about five minutes of slap. Um, I'll say to everyone watching right now, this is one of the most exciting times of the year. Most players have that are free agents have not signed yet. There is a ton of trade talk. We had some great guests on today. There are some lingering questions. So we'll do kind of some rapid fire answers. So if you're watching right now, you have a free agent question about a player or a team or anything else. We'll get to it, or we'll get to at least a couple of those questions during slap hands right now. So let's slap. All right, so we'll mix in some questions here. We'll start with Prize Picks Poppy, who said anything on Julio Urias. Obviously, we're not insiders, but I can tell you from what I've read and who I've spoken to, I mean, he was going to be one of the bigger free agents this offseason. Super young, too, to enter free agency because he came up to the show, I think, at age like 20. Um, I think Giolito now is the youngest starting pitcher available on the market because Urias, I believe he's like 26, I want to say. Yeah, just right? turned 26. He'll play just a season 26. at 26. Damn. That's because I can tell you, I mean, obviously they're different pitchers, but Kratz, part of Yamamoto's lore is that he's 25 years old. Often pitchers get to free agency, they're like 30. 25-year-old free agent. Now think about that for Arias. He would have been 26 years old hitting free agency. And I know, you know, a little bit of an up and down year for him as well, but a lot of talent, a lot of pedigree already. He would have been a 200 million dollar pitcher no easily Easily. i mean especially with the money that we're talking you know we're talking about 
five years older, Monty getting one, you know, getting up there in his cash. Uh, let's see, who else did we have? He's he's six years younger than than uh, Nola, who just signed a seven year contract. Like he might have he might have been whatever Yamamoto gets. If Yamamoto gets, I have him down at getting two sixty five because I think he's going to go to the Giants and get overpaid. But he might have he might have been a 270, 250 kind of pitcher. And now Wow. Zero, oh, no, I remember zero right now. He's not signing. He's not signing this offseason. No. It's he's not, under investigation, so he's not gonna sign. Nobody's nobody's touching him. No. There's been multiple domestic violence allegations, so um, that's what happens. So yeah, you're not going to hear much on that front either. I know there's some question marks with some players, um, that are being investigated right now. All right. Uh, getting a lot of questions about actually a current Dodger superstar. So apparently Dave Roberts said today that Mookie's going to be a second baseman. It sounds like, I guess, full-time second baseman now. So I'll go to our resident second baseman, Kip. Mookie looked like he could handle it yesterday. Um, so what do you think about the move for him? And the only thing I'm thinking about also is, is body preservation. They have him locked up to a very long-term deal. Um, does he maybe prevent injury a little better and stay fresher if he's at second instead of running all over the place and right? No? No, no. Kratz, I'm looking at your face. Are you saying Opposite. Yeah. Yeah, Opposite? Opposite. Okay. They put the best athletes in the world at second base. Let me just say <laughs> <laughs> um, No, were you, well, your first question, excuse me, just my computer, uh, is can Mookie handle it or anything like that? I'm not sure I've seen a sport that guy can't handle, <laughs> to be honest. Everything, every video I see of him is just like the most athletic thing I've ever seen. Um, so he'll be just fine. He's too good of a baseball – he's a baseball player first before he's a certain position. Um, but to answer it, no, the, it's a different kind of shuffles in the infield than it is in the outfield outfield. You just short little sprint. You're the game's all in front of you when you're in the outfield, the game's all around you when you're in the infield. So it's a much different kind of quick sprints, quick side shuffles, the hamstrings, you're in a lower squat at times, uh, the movements around the bag, all that stuff that you have to do. You don't have to do in the outfield. You kind of just go catch the fly ball and you throw it in, um, so, but again, I, I, I go back to my first statement is I don't think there's not, there's not much in the game of baseball that Mookie Betts can't handle. Yeah. Can, can he handle it? Yeah, I think there's. And, and keep in mind, they, they say he's going to be second base full time. What happens if something happens? What happens if their right fielder goes down and their best backup is a second baseman? Well, Mookie, we're going to put you right back into right field now and bring in that guy to play second base. It's still a luxury of his flexibility to have and, uh, all the positions that he can play. And the mm-hmm. Dodgers aren't afraid. Dodgers aren't afraid to have that communication. Like, this isn't like a career life-changing move that they're moving in just a second base. Yeah. I think it's I think it's something that they're – but I think you're spot on, Kip. Like, there's no – he'll he'll figure it out. He's like, oh, you want to create a new position? What does that entail? I'll do yeah, that. Cool. I got it. Like, I'm really good at a lot of things. He'll, he'll <laughs> handle it and – Flourish in it, no doubt. Uh, but I'm also guessing this was also a conversation brought across his table too, and talked about amongst him, and asked uh, what he thinks and whether he wants to do it. It seems like he really wants to play that position more so than right field. You definitely get more action. Middle infield's a lot of fun. It's it's where you're absolutely right. It's where the action is, um, and so it's it's one of those ones. It's almost like a point guard. Like you want him touching the ball the most. So if he's just you stick him out in right field, it's whatever. If I want Mookie touching the ball the most, I want the play going to him as much as it can. Yep. Uh, one more question, and then we'll get to uh, a little bit of news. Um, Cole Cunningham asks, "Where are the realistic places for Yamamoto? Do you think him or Tani signs first? And, and we've gone over this a lot. I mean, I think kind of first of all, everyone wants a starting pitcher besides the Mariners because they do have quite a bit of starters plus no money, but um, the Yankees, the Mets, the Giants, the Dodgers, right? Cubs. The Cubs to an extent. The, the same teams that we keep talking about, I think, are going to be involved at the top of the market here. Um, and also, which one do you think signs first? I'll say Otani because we do have more transparency on Yamamoto. And apparently after the winter meetings, he's going to meet in person with teams. Sure, that could change if a team just throws the bag 
But it does sound like he wants to go through the process. He deserves to go through it if he wants, right? So he's going to be able to sit down with teams, not have it be a total freaking secret, let them get through their winter meetings, and he still has until January 4th to sign. Yeah, no, I think I think something with Yamamoto, he has – we, we say he has a different personality because he actually has shown a personality. We're, it's all speculation with Shohei to kind of figure out what's – going on so i would say i would say that the process for him is going to be a little bit more lengthy than shohei's been in the league he's seen every place that he could possibly go to i think yamamoto you know he could be courted a little bit he was on he was on floor seats the other night at i think it was golden state um so it's it's stuff like that that it's a little bit different for yamamoto so i would agree with you scott that shohei is going to sign first but I think there is there's got to be a sense if you are Chicago that we got to get one of these guys here. Say ya came, and I think it might give. That's why I think the Cubs, as like kind of a dark horse, might have a leg up because he's not afraid of going somewhere where another Japanese player. It's not that oh you have to have a Japanese player to sign Yamamoto. He's just not afraid of it. And Seiya and him played on Team Samurai together. So it's something that there's an opportunity to, to team up with an ex-teammate if you go to if you go to Chicago. All right. You guys got me, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Just making sure. Okay. So last thing I want to do is uh, preview Ken Rosenthal's fair territory. And we'll do that by showing you a little clip. That is related to some news about the Angels. It has to do with a rule that's not going to change. And it has to do with what Artie Moreno, the owner of the Angels, thinks is a hard salary cap. So listen to Ken Rosenthal listing his dork of the week on fair territory. They loaded up at the deadline. Seemingly we're going to go well over the luxury tax. And then they dumped all those guys. Five of them, it turned out. Five players lost on waivers on August 31st giving their fans whiplash and for what they traded two prospects debate how good they are for lucas giolito and ronaldo lopez they waived them a month later congratulations you got under the luxury tax threshold that's fantastic for the angels i guess but artie moreno the way you've run your team you're a repeat winner of this award and if things don't get better in anaheim some point soon i trust that you're going to win this award again <laughs> nailed it Ken. shots fired You're i love it so fair territory body. is out there for the world to watch and to listen to topics include update on otani and soto markets pressure on the yanks who's going to play shortstop for la his favorite winter meetings moves obviously dude and dork of the week which you just heard one of those and he answers more questions in grill and ken so there's news related to what the Angels did as well. Uh, Buster Olney put out today that MLB will not change the rules for 2024 after the Angels' late season salary dump. So what we termed a new phrase, the dump deadline, Kip, where guys were surprised and didn't even know how it worked that half the team, as Giolito mentioned to us the other day, was just suddenly put on waivers and shipped away. Um, that's not going to change. So teams still will be able to do that in the future if they'd like. The thing for the Angels, too, is that um, they're going to lose Otani and they'll get compensation for that, a second-round pick instead of a fourth-round pick. Woohoo! Um, but I just want to reiterate, like I said at the top of the show, if they had gone over by a million bucks, they would have paid 200K. Like, it's nothing. That, that's that's what they get for saying Shohei Otani's name at the ballpark from a sponsor. Yeah. Yeah, but if they go over now the next year, but the next year when they do start, like it resets the whole the whole penalty system, which is huge. So a team is not going to go a million dollars over. So that's why they kept this rule in place because that is a huge 40 slots in the draft or it's, I think it's like 47 slots in the draft that they move up when Shohei signs somewhere else. That's huge. That's a difference. No, but Kratz, between... that's not the rule I'm talking about. I'm talking about the dump deadline where you can do the right. waiver process. The, right, because the, the luxury they had to tax. dump that. They had to dump that. If you're, if you're right, they were right at that border. They were yes. afraid 
not afraid of going over. If you're a million over and they don't change that rule, you're stuck. Now that's one year that you went over. I get it. But you can reset it the next year. Yeah, but then you're you're being accused of resetting it the whole year. But Kratz, do you think the Angels are going to spend this coming season – like they did last year? Like, does it even matter? They're, it's They're going to go under it. They always go under it. Artie Moreno treats it like a hard cap. I don't think they've ever gone over it. So I agree with you for teams like the Yankees, the Mets, et cetera. It, you keep getting penalized more and more if you're over it, if you're a repeat offender. The Angels aren't a repeat offender. They're never an offender. So it doesn't matter for them. Okay, but I mean, you're talking about an owner that whether you agree or disagree, the dude has signed... Mike Trout to four hundred million, signed Rendon. Whether it's a good, it's a yes. good signing or not. Yep. He signed. He signed Pujols back in the day. He's signing guys, and I think if you're always under, then you're like, okay, well, this is my chance. I can go over if I actually ever want to sign a pitcher. Not saying he's going to. I'm saying you don't want to go under. You don't want to go over by a million, and then it's like, oh, crap. If we had just been able to have our dump deadline. Dump deadline? I'm, I'm good with the dump deadline. I'm, I'm glad they kept it. You know what? Show me your true colors, teams. If you want to dump everybody you just picked up, go for it. See what happens in the, see what happens in the stands the next season. See if teams – because now you can't just hide. You, we'll call you out on this show – you can't just hide and be like, oh, I didn't even know that they dumped everybody from their team on the waiver wire. Yeah, it's a good call. Um, so anyway, much more on Fair Territory with Ken. Uh, that's it for us today. We'll be doing this again, obviously, every day, every weekday, all off season long, especially during winter meetings. And if, for example, Otani decides to sign tonight, we'll hit it live and we will cover it here on FT like we always do. So stay tuned on that front. Many more writers and insiders with all the real talk going on throughout the winter meetings will join us. So keep submitting questions too. Like if, if I didn't get to some of them, you can hit us up on Instagram, on DMs, Twitter. Oh, Kratzats. That looks like the Orlando Magic. New Haven Ravens. It's not even a team anymore, but in New Haven, they played at Yale's field. Oof. An absolute dump. But... <laughs> <laughs> Stick hats. Perfect. That's why we talked about the dump deadline today, Kratz. Dump deadline. (laughs) Kip, good to see you, dude. Good to see you guys. Cheers, everyone. We'll see you Tuesday or maybe sooner if news breaks on FT Live.